This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today on CityCast Madison. Anti-war activists successfully halted a shift change at Truex Field yesterday a.m. Their message, F-35 military jets set to arrive at our base as early as next month are not welcome in Madison. The newly engineered aircrafts are said to be four times louder than current F-16 models and come with heavy costs for residents on the flight path. So what can we expect from these jets when they're flying around Madison? We turn to someone who has lived with them, retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Roseanne Greco of Burlington, Vermont. It's Tuesday, March 28th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Colonel Greco, hello. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm happy to to do whatever I can to help the folks in Madison. You were part of military leadership in the Air Force. You've lived all across the world and you've been part of the grassroots efforts to keep military jets, you know, out of Burlington. Can you talk about that? Like your own experiences in the military and, and why this, you know, you're taking on this action? So I served 30 years on active duty in the United States Air Force. Um, I, my primary area was strategic intelligence and, and nuclear weapons. Uh, I also did uh, some time in, with uh, nuclear arms control uh, treaties with the Soviets, among other things. <laughs> you do a lot of things in, in 30 years. Uh, but I had, uh, I had that years of experience, so I understand the military. I, was a, I retired as a colonel, full colonel. And so when I retired, I moved to Vermont, and I ended up running for the, our city council, I got elected, and then I got elected the chair of our city council. And that's when the F-35, they start talking about the F-35 coming to our town. I knew nothing about it. When I hung up my uniform, I really hung it up. I only wore it once or twice since retiring. And uh, the people were the ones that came to the city council and asked for help because they heard how bad, how noisy, and everybody was focused on noise at the time. And and by the way, at the time, I sort of ashamed to admit, I thought they were just being wimpy about it. You know, what's a little noise? I'm sure some people agree with you, right? Listening, but... I lived on airport bases. What's a little noise? And I actually sort of think, oh my gosh, what are they complaining about? You know, so it forced me to get involved with that. I felt an obligation to the people. And so I got involved. I read the EIS, which is a lot of things people don't do, but there's a lot of information in there. EIS. Environmental Impact Statement. That's a document the federal government is obligated to write to tell about the significant consequences of a military or a federal action. After I read it, it was, I thought, a no-brainer. This didn't belong in a residential area for so many reasons. They had to evaluate 15 different criteria, and in nine, there was a negative effect. But they explained what noise did, and I had no idea. About, I, to me, noise was just a minor irritant. And that's how it is being, um, you know, the, the propaganda. It's a minor few minutes, a little bit of noise for, you know, national defense. 
But when I heard about the damage that noise does to human beings, to their physical health, as well as their psychological, emotional health, as well as their property values and a host of other things, it was very clear to me that this was a bad place to put something that that produced those kind of decibel levels. I thought that surely when the rulers, uh, meaning our senators and our governor, would get that information, they would obviously say, this doesn't belong here. Get us, a, get us an aircraft that's compatible, all right? They didn't. They literally shut their ears to the people's voices, which are the real sound of freedom, uh, despite what the propaganda is that this, this aircraft produces the sound of freedom, you know, bull hockey. This is, this is de facto the sound of war. But I thought for sure they would be convinced by the facts not emotion, just the facts of what science is saying noise does, but they didn't. Yeah, so you've had F-35s in Burlington, Vermont, where you live, for a few years now. How loud are they? They are much, 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 much louder than the F-16s that they replaced. And um, I use the word much four times because it's hard for individuals to gauge decibel levels by what you hear. But the Air Force told us the decibel levels, they anticipated decibel levels of the F-35, and they said they would sound at least four times louder than the F-16s. And they were right. Four times louder. Yes. And the F-16s are loud. Yes, our F-16s took off an afterburner, which made them incredibly loud. I believe your F-16s used to take off in military power, which is not as loud. But it, despite the fact that ours took off an afterburner, the F-35s are louder. So what has the impact been on Burlington? Well, I can't tell you about everybody that lives here. The anticipated number of people that are in the 65 day night level average decibel level is probably around 7,000 people. So I can't speak for all 7,000. I am not in the noise zone, the dangerous noise zone, although I can hear the F-35s inside my house and I, as a crow flies, perhaps four or five miles away from the runway, uh, where I never heard the F-16s inside my house with the doors and the windows closed. So I, I can hear them now. One of the problems is that they don't keep to a set schedule. Although they said they would, they do not. It makes it very unpredictable, and um, that complicates day-to-day -day routines. And what have we learned about the health impacts of noisy military jets? So what we've learned is what the scientists have done over decades, and that was actually cited in our environmental impact statement about the long-term health effects to people from uh, noise at the decibel level that the F-35 produces. And they are pretty severe. And the, the studies at that time, and they're doing more studies, by the way, because I think scientists have come to the conclusion that um, noise is causing physical harm to human beings but we don't know it yet because it, it takes a while for it to destroy your internal organs. I tell people a lot to think of it like tobacco and smoking was, you know, decades and decades ago. It really does not matter what a person feels about the noise. And I mean, emotionally, the definition of noise is unwanted sound. 
right? Mm -hmm. But some people are not bothered by it. Some are incredibly bothered by it. It's very subjective. However, in the long run, uh, if you're thinking about health impacts, that doesn't matter how you feel about it. Just like some people were fine with smoking or secondhand smoker, but this kind of noise damages your heart. It causes a rise in cholesterol. It increases your stress hormones. I'm just telling you what the science says. The issue is it is cumulative. And some of the talking points from Lockheed Martin uh, and the military was that it was only a few minutes of noise a day. Well, that's actually correct. I mean, it's it's a, f- a few minutes. You hear them when they take off. You hear them when they fly. You hear them when they land. Except that the effects of noise build up over time. So it's not the one time you hear them. It's the repetitive, the cumulative, and it builds up in the internal, in the body. And that's what causes the harm. Well, I mean, we, you know, I work in audio. <laughs> so thinking about noise is something I think about my ears a lot. And just the little vibration, like you can, you can lose little, just like little abilities to here like you can lose a tone that sort of thing but we're not just talking about you know some standard hearing loss you're saying that it's impacting folks's hearts has your community done anything to help contain the noise they can't there's nothing to contain the noise no there there is no mitigation for the noise and the answer is no uh, because you cannot block the noise if you're outside, um, unless you carry around very sophisticated head protectors, but you're going to be walking around like we were walking around with masks, you know, for a year or so. I mean, then maybe that's the next thing. Why does the military need to replace the F-16s? Well, I don't think they need to. I mean, they, uh, the F-16s, uh, were, and I, used, I knew somebody who was part of the design team for the F-16s. The F-16s are still flying. They've been in the air for, I don't know, 40 years or so, all right? They're still flying. They're being retrofitted to fly even longer because they're a proven technology um, and there have been fly-offs, and I can't give you all the details, but I think the F-16s beat the F-35. So it's not a matter of need anymore. This is all about military greed, you know, military, industrial, political complex. So. The military constantly says they need things, <laughs> uh, but um, I'm very skeptical now about needs versus wants. And um, and th- this makes a lot of money for a few people. Yeah, considering like it was like, if you think about an iPhone, if you need to upgrade it and some people say, well, I, I liked my, my version of this technology where it's at, it was doing just fine. But there is a newer version that has some new capacity. Like what what is different between an F-35 and an F-16? Well, there's a lot of difference, a lot of difference. Um, and the F-35 was originally designed to do the job of multiple aircrafts. It was like one aircraft is going to do all kinds, of, had the capability to accomplish different kinds of missions rather than building one aircraft for close air support, one aircraft for air interdiction and, and, and stuff like that. So the idea was to save money by building one. Well, that's not what happened. Actually, the F-35, and you can you know, research all this, uh, has underperformed, in fact, some say significantly underperformed in just about every mission it's supposed to have um, been able to accomplish. So it was supposed to do that. It didn't. It is highly sophisticated. I don't know about how many millions of codes, you know, um, software codes it has, which complicates it even further. And the F-35 is designed to be a nuclear weapon delivery vehicle, and the F-16 was not. 
Some aircraft are designed to carry nuclear weapons, some are not. The F-35 has been chosen as the next, what we used to call heavy bombers, meaning the ability to, to, to deliver nuclear weapons, gravity bombs, uh, in this case, for the F-35. So that, that sets it apart from the F-16. If, I mean, there's lots of other differences, too. Yeah, that's a major one. I lost my my words there thinking about the, the, the impact of that. So what do you think the Air National Guard should do with them, if not put them in population centers like Madison or Burlington? So the Air, Air National Guard is not the entity that makes the decision. They just carry out the decisions made by senior leadership, and, and uh, that's military leadership as well as civilian leadership. And the civilian leadership in this case is Congress. All right. So it's not a matter of uh, them deciding. It's really what the leaders of the areas decide is good for the people in their area or not. And we have seen in, in uh, the Burlington, Vermont area, and you will unfortunately soon see in Madison, Wisconsin, that this aircraft does not belong near densely populated areas. The Air Force has lots of Air Force bases. Um, where this aircraft should be based, if it's based anywhere. It should be at an active duty Air Force base. But there are plenty of, plenty of Air Force bases that would be far better suited as the, as the um, housing, you know, to house the F-35. Yeah, and you're talking about civilian leadership, right? So you're talking mm-hmm. about Congress. Correct. There's been many efforts in Burlington, as well as here in Madison, to stop F-35s that were unsuccessful. What do you think it takes to actually stop military jets from being based near these large population centers? Okay, well, I can go on what has worked, what has happened in the past to veer away from what I personally think. And what we have seen, and I actually did some research, is that um, there have been at least four or five different states where the senator, uh, the um, member of Congress, asked the Air Force to replace the, in this most cases, it was a fighter jet, at their location with an aircraft that was more compatible with the residential area. And in every single case, the senator got what they asked for. So if you ask, how can it be done? Well, do the thing that the other senators in other states did. In some cases, they replaced it with another fighter aircraft. In some cases, they replaced it with a cargo aircraft. Uh, In some cases, they replaced it with a cyber mission. Senators definitely can ask the Air Force for a replacement weapon system if it's harming their people. And senators have done that, and they've always gotten what they have asked for. So in my mind, do what works. And in the Burlington, Vermont area, over the years that we've been fighting this, we have tried just about every other tactic, you know, petitions, letter writing, demonstrations, civil disobedience, getting arrested, uh, lawsuits, you name it, we have done it. We actually even convinced the Air Force that we were the wrong place. The evidence clearly showed and the outcry from the people, as I believe is the case in Madison, people living in the noise zone did not want that aircraft. Um, none of that has worked for us. I don't know. I know it has not worked for Madison. But your senator, one of your two senators can uh, make the request. And like I said, never once has a request by a senator ever not been accommodated by the military because the senators hold the, the purse strings. They are the ones that will determine what things get funded, who gets promoted, then they always get what they want. But you've got to convince one of your senators 
to do what's good for the people as opposed to what's good for the military. Um, before we go, we have to point out, and you mentioned this, and it struck me when you said that the F-35s were made to have capacity to carry nuclear weapons. I understand you helped to negotiate the START Treaty, the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty in Geneva between the U.S. and the former Soviet Union, which is just incredible. Can I just ask you briefly, how worried are you about the threat of nuclear war at present? Way more worried now than I than I was when I uh, when we when we negotiated the START Treaty and then I was part of the the first START Treaty. We reduced the numbers of, of our our strategic nuclear weapons by thousands. We were on a I thought a safe path, but now with the conflicts um, getting more aggressive and on both sides talking about actually using nuclear weapons. The scariest thing that got to me, this is before Putin raised this, was reading in a document that's the unclassified version, because I, I used to have clearances, I don't anymore, but even in the unclassified version, that now we're actually talking, uh, the military is actually talking about using nuclear weapons. And the F-35, because I was reading in conjunction with the F-35, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, I we can't go into it. There used to be something called MAD, Mutual Assured Destruction, which is still a thing. And it used to run all these scenarios about what would happen if one side used a nuclear weapon first. And the outcome is not good for the planet. So I'm much more worried because now we've got two sides. We have never, ever in the United States said we wouldn't use nuclear weapons first. We don't have a no first use policy, which is very bad. So, yeah, I'm concerned. And if you had a weapon system in your in your backyard like we do that uh, has the capability of carrying nuclear weapons, then you're also a target, too. That's where we what we target. We target the enemy's nuclear weapons delivery vehicles. So obviously that is should be a consideration. It um, ought to be. One would think. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel Greco, we're going to have to have you back as <laughs> if that conversation <laughs> moves forward. Colonel Greco, thank you so much for your time. That's former U.S. Air Force Colonel Roseanne Greco. She lives in South Burlington, Vermont, home to the first squadron of Air National Guard F-35 jets in the country. And here's what else Madison's talking about. More intrigue in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race. Now, a candidate running for state senator in the Milwaukee areas is saying that he'll consider impeaching one of the candidates. The candidate in question, Milwaukee Judge Janet Protasiewicz. It's unclear whether he meant impeach her if she stays on as a Milwaukee judge or if she becomes a state Supreme Court justice. More on that soon, we're sure. And some disabled voters are saying they're having trouble voting. Voters with disabilities are entitled to receive assistance in completing and delivering their absentee ballots. There was a lawsuit about this that was won in federal court after the state Supreme Court outlawed absentee ballot drop boxes. But Disability Rights Wisconsin says several communities around the state are giving out old and inaccurate info to disabled voters. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell someone who's super into flight paths about us. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then, take good care.
Bull Hockey.